This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Turn back to uh, where we've been teaching from, John chapter 3. We've been talking about these, uh, these last few months. Um, started with uh, Minister Martin talking about God is a redeeming God. And, and, and really the, the focus there was that, you know, that, that, that many of us, we, we, we say we're saved. Many of us, um, you know, aspire to be saved. But what we really need is to, is to see the kingdom of God. We need, we need an experience with God to get past ourselves, to get past our pity parties and our selfishness. We need an experience with God to know that God cares so much for you, that he cares so very much for you. And Minister Castile, she came and she, she dropped down in John uh, 3, verse 16, and she was talking about restoring the relationship that, that God actually has a plan for man. You know, it's one thing, you know, a lot of times we can have good intentions and have good thoughts towards people and towards events, but, but do we have a way that's actually able to bring them to a place of usefulness, to bring them to a place of productivity? And we learn that God, God, He has a plan for man, that he has a purpose, he has a direction for mankind. In restoring, it all, it all begins with restoring the relationship. That too often we, we want to we know, well, Lord, how do I conduct my life? How do I get the things that I want? Well, it all starts with, first of all, we need to restore the relationship. We need to get it right between him and us. We need to understand that he is the greater and we are the lesser. That it is in Him that we live, that we move, that we have our very existence. That we would not be alive, that we would not be mobile. Were it not for His mercy, were it not for His grace, for His power. And I came and said that we need to, in order for us to have a true understanding of our, of our salvation, that we need to understand the grace that is in forgiveness. And when I'm talking about grace here, I'm talking about the power of God, the charis, the power of God that is working, that is directed towards us in our salvation, that's working in us, in our sanctification, in our, in our perfection, and that's working through us, that's working through us to reach this world, to reach our worlds, to change our worlds as we extend forgiveness. You know, one thing that we wanted you all to understand in these lessons about salvation is that the church needs to be the church. The church needs to be the ecclesia. We need to be the called out community of believers. It's time out for us to be the social club. It's time out for us to be the family clique. It's time out for us to be the gathering place. We need to be the church. Those that are publicly on display. Those that all around can see 
who we are and what we stand for, that we are lifting up the name of Jesus, that we are declaring that God has a purpose and a plan for mankind, and that man has fallen well short of that, but grace has been made available. A season and a time has been made available for those that are hurting, for those that are in need, to draw in and to draw near. The healing is available to those that are, that are finished with their hurts. If, you, if, if you're finished with your pity party, if you're finished trying it your way, if you're finished experimenting and seeing what happens, that grace is available. Grace is made available for healing in the house of God. We said, well, what is the part that the church needs to fulfill? The, the church, we are as the watchmen. And we came in Ezekiel 33, verse 7. And we'll just turn there real quickly. I know we started in John, but we'll get back there. In Ezekiel 33. Just real quickly. Verse 7 says, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, Thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. That God has set the church today as a warning, as a trumpet, as a clear sound of his standard and of righteousness. That those that are wicked, that they may recover themselves and that the righteous man may continue on and not grow weary in well-doing. And the Lord says that if the, if the wicked man will, will hear the sound of the trumpet, will hear the warning of the watchman and turn from his ways, that he can be recovered because God has no pleasure. God has no pleasure that evil men should perish. But his desire is that all men would be saved. His desire is that all men would be saved. The church, what is our position? We are to be as salt in his light. In Matthew chapter 5, it says that, and starting with verse 13, it says that, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? What good are you anyway? You're supposed to be the called out, but if you won't stand up and declare, then what purpose do you serve? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And so one of the things that, that we know about the watchman, one of the things that we know about salt, that we know about light. You know, we know that salt is a preservative. We know that, that, that light it brings illumination so that men can see their way. But one thing that you have to understand, church, is that as being the watchman, as being the light, as being the salt, we are not the thing itself. We are not the Holy One. We are not the anointing in itself. We only point the way. We only point the direction to. We are not those that have already attained. We have not already been transformed. But we are those that point to the righteous one. We are one that points to a greater glory. 
too often as a church, we, 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 we've convinced the world that, that we are the end in and of itself. That if you would just sign up like a gym membership, that everything will be alright. But no, it's not, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. That's why the people of the world, they're not seeing the kingdom of God because they're going to church, but they're not coming to Jesus. The world is attending the live streams, but they are not submitted their hearts. They got the handbags and the conference passes, but they haven't bowed themselves down before a holy God and said that He is Lord. So we are the church, we are the watchmen, we are salt, we are light. And we know that we are not the thing in and of itself, but we point to the one that is greater. We point the way. We point the way so that men can no longer stumble in darkness. We said in in this teaching we wanted to examine the, the grace the power that is, is in, in forgiveness so that we as the church can get in position to do what we need to do, which is to extend forgiveness and to restore this generation. Too often our churches have become like, like spas, like country clubs and resorts where people come to get their own needs met, where people come to get their own feelings smoothed over, where people come to get their own ambitions fulfilled where they can they can they can make their records or they can they can stand up in front of the people and sing their songs or they can they can give their speeches or they can be put on the platform they can promote their business ideas the people are coming to the church as though it's a as though it's a resort as though it's a vacation spot but listen God has put us as the ecclesia as the called out people we are to be in the streets We are to be in the streets, bumping up against offensive people, bumping up against dirty people, bumping against people who are completely against what we believe in, so that we can find those people that are hurting, that are tired of what they've been in, that are tired of trying it their own way, and that are ready for healing. We said that we wanted to, you know, because, because the church has had this country club, this spa mentality, that we, we always want to have it clean and clean cut, that we always want to have a certain aroma, a certain odor that's pleasing, so that whenever anyone comes in that doesn't fit the pattern, that doesn't have the look, that doesn't have the smell, that, 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 that has a different background, we immediately repulse them. A misrepresentation of grace. But listen, we wanted you to know that God is not shocked by sin. God is not shocked by your homosexuality. God is not shocked by your whoremongering. God is not shocked by your drug use and your drug abuse. God is not shocked by your alcoholism. God is not shocked because you are the abuser. God is not shocked because you are the abused. God is not shocked by your sin. It doesn't surprise him at all. He knew when he made man, and he gave man the ability to choose, that man would choose wrong. 
That's why before man was created, God already made provision for forgiveness. He knew already before he made man, and when he gave man the choice to choose, he says man is going to choose wrong. So before that, I need to already be prepared so that man can choose again. We say God is, when God, when God is looking at us, He doesn't, He doesn't see. He's not, He's not put off by. He's not disgusted by the sin. He's able to see beyond the current condition. And He sees the person that's hurting and that's ready to be made whole. And we went to Luke chapter Eight in that Matthew chapter nine, where it talked about the woman with the issue of blood, and this is what I want you all to understand about the woman with the issue of blood. You know, we we talk and we teach from the scripture. We we want you to all to understand the, uh, the the various narratives. We want to teach it like Jesus taught it. He wanted to to illustrate to the people through through natural examples so that they could grab a hold to it. Because he said, if you can't understand that which is in the natural, how will you understand that which is in the spiritual? This woman with the issue of blood, too often we say, well, the people, they, they need to just want it, they need to want it more. They need to desire it more, and then they'll be right. They need to pull themselves together, get themselves together, and then they'll be healed. But this woman, she'd been gone from doctor to doctor. She'd spent all of her resources trying to find a cure. She expended all of her natural energies trying to find a cure. And nothing that the world had to offer was able to bring healing to her. And then she heard that this man, Jesus, that this man, Jesus, was passing by. That this man Jesus was passing by. And so what she did is, in spite of her current condition, because according to the law, she should have been not able to mix with common society in the condition that she was in. She should have been shut off and pushed to the side and kept locked away. But she said, in spite of my condition, I'm going to press my way. I'm going to press my way. She said, I know I'm not worthy to, to ask the master anything. She said, I, I can't lay petitions before him like everybody else is because I'm not where I need to be. I'm still caught up in that thing. She said, but if, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. I'll be made whole. That's, that's all I needed to touch. The hem of his garment. What is the hem of his garment? The hem of the garment is it's not the thing. Listen, the hem of the garment, it's not the thing. It's just the, it's, it's the border. What it is, it's, it is a tangible point of contact. 
It is that which can be touched. It is an expression of faith, of that which is inexpressible. That when she touched the hem of the garment, it was just like she was saying, if, if I could just get in the presence of someone that's been in the presence of, someone that's been in the presence of, someone that's been in the presence of, then I know that the God that I need, that He is powerful enough, that He is mighty enough, that if you've been in the presence of someone that's been in the presence, of someone that's been in the presence, there should still be enough to bring healing. Church, can, can, can a hurting world come up to you in their current condition when they should have been kept outside, when they should have been kept isolated and away from all the decent folk? Can they see in you that you've been in the presence? Is there a, is there a glow about you? Is there a witness about you? Is there a representation in your life that doesn't point to you as the model of right that, that as the model of righteousness that doesn't point to you as the model of holiness but points to a greater glory points to a greater glory Such that I have, I give freely unto you. And we said that when Jesus was, was, was confronted, that he was surrounded, he was surrounded by people, but the other people that were pushing up against him, that they didn't have the same, they didn't have the same impact. They, they, they weren't looking for the same thing. They weren't hungry for the same thing. Listen, you're going to be bumped up against and you're going to be pushed by and people are going to try and bait you. And leads you astray. But you know those people, they're not looking. They're not, they're not looking for the healing. But are you, are you sensitive enough that when that DM comes, when that phone call comes, when that, 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 that person that's been in and out of your life, that's been in and out of life in general, when they call you and it says, I, I had a question about the Christmas story. I had a, I had a question about this, this Jesus that you, were, that you were talking about. And of course, they're always going to try and sound religious because they're trying to speak your language. But you're like, listen, you don't have to try to speak my language. I'm speaking the language of grace. I can speak to you the thing that you need to hear. And that is that forgiveness is made available. That the season and the time is right now. The time is now for you to walk away from what you've been bound by. And for you to walk in freedom in Christ Jesus. We said that forgiveness, it means to extend grace. Forgiveness is the gracious pardon of sins. 
We said that forgiveness, it makes room for error and weakness. That forgiveness, it's directed from the party that has been, it's from the party that is owed, and it's directed to the party that is indebted. That forgiveness, it doesn't, it doesn't require, it doesn't require a reciprocity. You don't, you don't have to, to pay me anything. It's, 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 it's a free gift. You don't have to prove anything to me. Just say the word. Just say the word and you can be healed. Just say the word and you can be healed. Going back to John chapter 3. John 3 and verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Jumping down to verse 14, it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in the Son shall not perish, but have eternal life. The minister Castile went to verse 16. She said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I love it because he continues to focus on and emphasize, Whosoever, 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 if you just believe, if you have trust, if you have faith, salvation is made available to you. The verse says that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, I love it that, that it says as Moses lifted up the serpent. And we, we found in Numbers chapter 21, we saw how the people that, that they, were not, they were not discouraged because of the challenges that were in front of them. You know, too often if we have a, an enemy, a, a, a point of identification, if we have a, a man that happens to be in office, if we have a, a person or, or an institution that we can direct our anger towards, it's, 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 no, it's so easy for the people to rally themselves together and to rise up and say, we are against this and we can overcome this. People, they, 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 they find it so easy that, that when there's a, an acute need, when there's a single point of contention that they can rise up and band together and put down their flesh and say, Lord, if you help us, we will conquer. That the people that, that when they had a single enemy, that they were able to come together and ask God and God was able to bring victory to their hands. But that later, that as they went on the way, the day in and day out, the struggle that the people began to complain because the way was hard. It wasn't a single thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a person. They couldn't put a name to it. It, it didn't have a number. They couldn't say, it's this thing, it's, it's, it's this specific thing that we can just attack and be done with. No, it was years and years and time and time again when they needed to push and they needed to press. Too often the church 
If there's a person that's in the, in the congregation that's in need and they need food, they need shelter, they need clothing, we'll all come together and we'll give our monies and we'll pour into that. But what if it's, it's years and years of time and devotion and dedication that's needed? That's when the people begin to complain and begin to speak against God and begin to speak against leadership, saying, we're tired of this light bread. The food that you're giving us is not the right food. The messages are, are seem like they're on repeat. It seems like we're getting the same things over and over again. And guess what? Why are you getting the same messages over and over again? Because you have yet to apply the teaching. You have yet to see the kingdom of God. Because yes, you have believed, but no, you have not walked in what you have believed in. And how do I know that? Because you have not extended forgiveness. You're still holding grudges. You're still setting boundaries and barriers between you and even your loved ones. And guess what? Because you hold this barrier between you and your loved one, the stranger cannot be saved. Because as long as you are grabbing on and trying to put them in their place and trying to hold them to their debt, God can't give anything else to you and you can't give anything else out to the people that need it. You're saying, God, I'll move on, I'll move on. If you get my son to act right, I'll move on, I'll move on. If you get my daughter to act right, I'll move on, I'll move on. If you get my dad to act right. And God is saying, you need to let them go. Because if you let them go, then I can pour into you. If you let go of the debt, then I can pour into you life and you can give out forgiveness. So who do you need to forgive? Just like, just like Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, you need to forgive the people that are talking about you, the people that are criticizing you, the people that seem to always want to put you in your place. The people that think that they have a better position in life or, or that they know what they know. And you know that they only have what they have because of God's mercy. You know that they're only kept because of mercy. And that they don't deserve what they have, but God give it, gives it to them anyway. Those are the ones that you need to pray for, that you need to extend forgiveness to. Just like Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We see here a pattern that the people, when they were knocked down, when they were in their distress and they, and they, and they, they, they cried out to Moses because they were afraid to cry out to God, they had already cursed God. They were afraid, they were ashamed to approach the Holy One. So they said, Moses, if you'll just pray for us. And Moses didn't just give a, a blanket prayer, but he listened. And God, God spoke to Moses. Moses put away any feelings that he had. Any concerns that he had. And he obeyed. 
And he fashioned the serpent of brass and lifted it up. And all those that, that looked upon the serpent were healed. Moses obeyed God. And all of the people that looked upon the serpent were healed. Understand the principles that are at work here. Don't, don't gloss over it. Moses didn't go out there and to try to apply first aid to all the people that were in the camp. He didn't go out there and try to apply salves and balms and lotions onto the people. Moses obeyed God and did what God told him to do. And God was not in the balm-making business. He was not in the lotion business. He said, set a standard. Let them know what I require. Make it clear to the people. And listen, it says that all those that looked on the serpent were healed. Does it say that all of them were healed? No, it says all those that looked on the serpent, that they were healed. So if you chose to ignore the standard, if you chose to continue on your way and to not heed the warning of the watchman, you missed out. You missed out on the healing. But listen, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that he made the serpent available. It was his mercy that made the serpent available. He made the way. So when the people chose wrong, God says, listen, I have no pleasure in you all perishing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a way for you to choose again. God's first response to man is forgiveness. We said that he made provision for forgiveness even before man was created. Before the, 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 the world was established, Christ was already slain. The provision for forgiveness was already in place. The sacrificial system was already in place. Before man was even created. We said that forgiveness, it doesn't, it doesn't excuse sin. That there is a judgment for sin. There is judgment for sin. And that needs to be satisfied. Familiar passage, go to Romans chapter 6. Verse 23, I'm already there. It says, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Inside of sin, it already contains the end result. Death is not imposed because of sin. Death is already inside of sin. It says, but the gift of God, the gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You work for death. You exerted your effort towards death. You got up early and stayed out late for death. 
But God gave you the gift. He gave you the gift of Jesus Christ that you might have life. So we must accept the gift. As a church, we have to point to Jesus because he satisfies the judgment for our sins. Just real quickly back over in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. It says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Jesus is the acceptable sacrifice. He is the acceptable payment. I love the illustration. They talk about propitiation. And they, the, the, the illustration is, is that of the, uh, the mercy seat that, that was upon the, the Ark of the Covenant. And the high priest would, would come and he would, he would, he would pour he would, the, the blood of attainment on the mercy seat that the sins of the people would be forgiven. That, that was just an illustration, but Christ is the actual thing. No, the mercy seat was just the illustration. It was just pointing the way, but Christ is the actual thing. That was just a type and a shadow. Christ is the fulfillment of the promise. He is the mercy seat. He is the atoning blood that is poured out as full payment for our sins, as the acceptable payment, as the payment that God approves of for our sins. We said before that forgiveness is it's not about it's not about our feelings. And I'm, Sorry, I'm still I'm still recapping. We, we, we've had these. It's been going on for almost six months that we've been talking about salvation. I just I want you to get it. So you can live it and walk in it because this community needs you to understand your salvation. The community needs you to be extending grace and forgiveness. That forgiveness is not about our feelings. It's forgiveness is based on faith in God. Do you trust his promises? Can you trust him beyond your senses? Listen, we said that forgiveness, it it does not eliminate your feelings. Forgiveness does not eliminate your feelings. And it it certainly doesn't change the facts. The thing that was done that offended, that's already happened in the past. Forgiveness does not change the facts. But grace and forgiveness, it is the power of God that is working in you in spite of the facts in spite of your feelings, so that the character of Christ can be seen. 
too often we want to approach God as Moses did with, with, with reasons why we can't do what he's asking us to do. Why we can't do what he's commanding us to do because of our limitations. Because we don't, we're not finished with our hurt. We're not finished with our pain. We still want to play around with it some more. So, you know what? When I'm done with the pain, then I'll forgive. God is saying, forgive now. Now is the time to forgive. It's not about your feelings. It's about the power of God that is working in you so that the character of Christ can be seen. We need to always be willing to forgive. We need to always be willing to forgive and to live peaceably with all men. Yes, there is is sin in this world. There are offensive people. There are offensive institutions. There are offensive circumstances in this world. But as, as, as the ecclesia, as those that say that we are called out of the world, we have to always be willing to extend forgiveness. Offenses are, are bound to come because of our imperfections and the imperfections of other people. Sometimes it's not what you said, it's how I interpreted what you said. Sometimes it's not what you did, but how what you did appears to me. Because you know what? I've seen that pattern before. And before you go any further, I'm going to just let you know that my daddy and my great-grandfather, they were just like that, and I'm not going to have it coming from you. Listen. Offenses are bound to come. Offenses are bound to come. Because we are not perfect. And people are imperfect. People will bump, will bump you and they'll hit your sore spot. They won't even know it. They'll hit that weak point in you and you won't even know it. They won't even know it. They don't even realize that what they said about you, about your hometown, that cuts you to the core. That that cuts you to the core. And so offenses in the natural, offenses naturally, they're going to lead to frustration and hurt. That's, that's how your body processes offenses. That's how your carnal mind processes offenses, as frustration and hurt. Frustration because you're trying to do something. You're exerting your energy to do something and you can't get it done because of offenses. Hurts because you were, you were trying to be productive and then the offense came. And not only did it slow you down and stop you from doing what you were doing to be productive, but now it has cut off your capabilities. The thing that you could have done, you can't even do that anymore. That door is now closed to you. You've been hurt. The power that you could have extended, you can't even extend anymore 
Because that avenue has been cut off from you. You've been hurt. And listen, frustration and hurt in the natural, it's just going to lead to anger. Frustration and hurt, it leads to anger. And I love God. God is an awesome God. God put us here. He, he, he put man in the garden. And when he put man in the garden, he made sure he gave man work to do. Because he says, you know what? This man needs to keep busy. He needs to keep doing. He needs to keep extending. Because if he, if he is prevented from extending, he's just going to become frustrated. And if he can't do, but he sees that it needs to be done, he's just going to become hurt. And all that's going to lead to is anger. So God makes sure that man had work to do. If you ever want to get a man angry, stop him from being able to do his work. Get in, get in his way when he's trying to get some work done. If you want to get a man angry. Frustrating with murmuring and complaining. Morally wound him with unfounded accusations and rumors. That's how, you, that's naturally, in the natural, that's how you get a man angry. And anger, when it has its work, in the natural, anger, it leads to hatred and unforgiveness. Anger, because I can't do what I want to do. Because I can't do what I think I need to do. Now there's hatred. What is hatred? What do you mean by hatred? What I mean by hatred is that thing that is frustrating you. You, in your mind, try to make it as though that thing does not even exist. It's gone. Erased. No longer on the scene. That's what that's true hatred says that I do not want you to even exist. I know some people they, they, they say that they are that they that they hate crickets and they hate spiders. What they really mean is that in my life space I don't want a cricket to exist. I don't want a spider to be anywhere in my perception. In fact, if they didn't even exist, but in some magical place to take care of the ecology, I'd be just fine. That's hatred says to your brother, I wish you didn't even exist. I can't believe that you did that thing. I can't believe that you said that. I wish you weren't even here. And we said before that unforgiveness says that, you know what? You may exist, but I'm going to keep you right here in this spot. Rooted to this, to this debt. Chained by your wrongs. And I'm not going to let you move past it. And I'm not going to let me move past it either. We're both going to stay here until the end. Because it's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. 
Listen, if we're going to exercise forgiveness, we're going to have to choose to get past that first reaction and make another choice. We're going to have to get past that natural reaction and make another choice and say, I will not be ruled by the flesh, but I will be ruled by the spirit. Go to Romans chapter six. We're just all in Romans. Romans chapter six. Just right here, verse 12, it says, let not sin, therefore. And what's the therefore? Verse 11, it says, likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You need to consider and weighing the balances. Listen, I don't care what the facts say. In my judgment, I am dead to sin. But I am alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I understand what the facts say. I understand what my feelings are. But I've already considered and reckoned. I count it all as nothing. That I may attain unto the excellency of Christ Jesus. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We understand the natural. We understand what we are feeling, what our emotions are. But we choose. Listen, God, God knew that when man first chose, he was going to choose wrong. So he gave man the ability to choose again. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. We must choose to yield our members as instruments of righteousness. Listen, do, don't, don't count the grace of God as though it's nothing. Don't, don't discount the power that is in forgiveness. Go to Mark chapter 2. It's not an easy thing and neither is it an insignificant thing to extend grace and forgiveness. In Mark chapter 2. This is Jesus. A man, a man is, is, is sick of the palsy. And in chapter 2 verse 5, Jesus saw their faith. This, these, are, these, these people, they couldn't get through the press. Because all the, all the church folks was clogging the way. All the religious crowd was, was they had their, their, their spots in the doorways. And so the person that was sick couldn't get in through the doorway. So thank God that he had those with him that, that broke up the roof 
and lowered this man. Because this man was like, listen, I don't, I don't care about these people. I don't care about these hypocrites and these signifying saints. I need to be healed. I know what my current condition is. I know what my limitations are, but I know that there is a limitless God and I need to be healed. They broke up the roof and lowered this man in. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Listen, there, there, there's some of you that, that God is saying that you need to extend an expression of your faith. You've been saying that you're ready to make a change. You've been saying that you're ready for healing. But you've been saying it to yourself. You need to reach out. You need to reach out and actually grab the hem of that garment. Actually get in contact with Extend yourself. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about it. It doesn't matter what anybody else has to say about it. You need to make contact with someone that is ready to extend grace, that is ready to extend forgiveness. See, too often we say, well, I, I, I was by myself and I was all alone. But listen, that lady, she... she she had faith already because her faith brought her into the crowd. It, it caused her to press beyond the people, beyond her shame. This man, he already knew that Jesus was a limitless God because they exerted the energy to break up that roof. But if they had never come, if they had never expressed their need, if they had never expressed their great want, they would have never been healed. They would have never been healed. The Bible does not talk about the people that looked at Jesus from afar and thought about asking him for healing and that he healed them. It only talks about those that pressed their way in in spite of the crowds, in spite of the opinions And found their way. And found their way to the feet of grace. Listen, we have we have ministry lines that are available. You're saying that, that there's nobody in your house that you're comfortable with talking with. We have people that are that are well able to speak with you and to share with you. The love of God. There, there, there is a thing that you are looking for. There is a. You're walking around with this issue, this issue, this issue. You've had this issue for years now, and it keeps coming back. 
and you've tried everything that you know to do to get past it. If you're ready to be healed, if you're ready to be healed, extend yourself. Call on Jesus. Reach out to those that are waiting and ready to speak with you. And listen, I'm not mad if you you don't call. If there's somebody that's in your house, if you have a mother, if you have a father, if you have a niece or a nephew or an uncle that is able to speak the word of life into you, you need to say, listen, you need to humble yourself and say, listen, I know what you know about me and it it doesn't matter. I know what you think about me and it doesn't matter. All that matters is that I'm ready to be healed. All that matters is that I'm ready to be healed. I'm telling you now, now is the time. The, the dispensation is here for you to ask for help and to receive it. Not, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters but that you press your way in to the feet of grace. Verse 5, When Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And immediately, the signifying saints began to complain. Verse 7, Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. So immediately, healing was brought to this man. Because he needed forgiveness. He expressed his desire. The same grace that heals the sick The same grace that allowed you to break away from sin long enough to call upon Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's available in forgiveness. It is available. It is working through the believer to extend forgiveness. Listen, forgiveness, it's a process. I know we want things to happen right away. We talked about before that that when there's an acute situation, the people can rally. And it's so easy to to generate energy and excitement. But when it's it's a, a, a long struggle, when it's a journey, that's when the people, they draw back. But forgiveness, you have to understand, it's a process. That's why God has put grace in you. To work through you. Because forgiveness is a process. The process of forgiveness. It's pulling souls. From the grip 
of death. It's pulling souls from the grip of death. I'm just going to go real quickly to James. This is what the tabs are for. James chapter 5. Says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. When you're extending grace and forgiveness, you're pulling souls from death. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it talks about that, that, that when you extend forgiveness, that you are, you are winning your brother. You're not conquering your brother. You're, you're winning your brother. You are winning your brother. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. When you're extending grace and forgiveness, you are showing, you're showing mercy. We know, we know what you work for, right? The wages of sin is death. But here you've been given the gifts. Eternal life through Christ Jesus. Just real quickly, I don't have much time, but we'll go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. And I say unto you which hear, love your enemies and do good to them which hate you. And in verse 36 it says, be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. That in showing love to your enemies, in getting beyond your hurts, getting beyond your frustrations, that you're showing mercy. You actually are demonstrating the character of Christ as your Father is merciful. You're showing for, you, you are representing the kingdom of God in your mercy. The last thing I'll point out is that as you extend forgiveness, you're moving beyond your hurt and resentment to the saving of souls. And this is where I have to bring in Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 20. This is, it's, it's a narrative that, that you all should be familiar with. It's, it's Joseph. He has delivered his family and given them shelter when there was a famine. He's given them shelter in Egypt when there was a famine in Canaan. And now that his father has died, his brothers become fearful. Because they say, well, he didn't want to exact his revenge while our dad was still alive out of respect for him. But now, now that our dad is gone, now he's going to pour out his wrath on us. And Joseph, his brothers, they come to him and they say, we, we are your servants. 
You got to understand, Joseph was the second youngest. His brothers, they said, we are your servants. All of them, except for one, older than him. Accomplished in their own rights. With children and families of their own. But now they find themselves in a situation where Joseph is the second most powerful man in the nation. And they come to their brother and say, we are your servants. And they, and, they, and they say, our dad said that you should forgive us. And Joseph, he, he's moved with emotion that his brothers would even ask the question. And he tells them, he says that you meant my evil. You meant it for evil. What you did, you didn't do by accident. Your actions were deliberate. They were calculated. And they were done by you as a group. All of you were consenting unto my death. But what you meant for evil, God meant for good. For the saving of lives. Church, we have to be those that are able to look at those that meant us evil. That called you out of your name. That denied you what was rightfully due yours. That denied you the honors that you should have had. That denied you the affection that you should have had. That held back when they should have poured out that tried to stop you in the way. But what they meant for evil, God has meant for good, for the saving of lives. Those same people are the ones that, that, that need you to be able to extend grace and forgiveness. This is the only way that we can restore this generation. Listen, we would not need to restore this generation if they were where they needed to be. We would not need to restore this generation if they had kept the way that was given to them. But God already knew the choice that man would make. And he made provision for man to make another choice. So as God is speaking, will you, the servants of the Lord, will you obey? Will you obey so that the people can be healed? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com. Thank you.